Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, my name's Adam from Toronto, Ontario. And I subscribe to the Creative Control Patreon because I feel that uh, at the end of the day, uh, there are very few people in the industry who are able to consistently get the kind of quality interviews out of very diverse subjects of many creative stripes and disciplines, as Vish does pretty well on every episode of the podcast. It's a no-brainer to me that I want to support this when you factor that in to uh, all of the bonus content you get on Patreon and you know, it's a listener-supported podcast, so uh, I want to keep the uh, great content coming. So that's why you should also support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. LOL is an electronic music duo consisting of Rose and Nick, who are based in Toronto, Ontario. Community conscious and empowering in their music, Rose and Nick's latest album is LOL, is called Dark Beings, and was released in May of 2019 by Coke's Records. At the 2019 edition of Sappy Fest in Sackville, New Brunswick, Rose and Nick made time to speak with me about the origins of their personal and professional relationship how LOL got started, the significance of campus and community radio on their music making, the inspiration behind Dark Beings, and much more. A part of the E1 Podcast Network with the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control, plus in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, this is the 508th episode of Creative Control, featuring the bold and ambitious LOL with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Lal. <laughs> Hello. How are you doing? 
good. Yeah, good. it's nice to be in New Brunswick. We are in beautiful, sunny Sackville, New Brunswick for Sappy Fest. Totally. And this is your first time in Sackville. First time, yeah. What do you make of it? It's cool. We've been I here. Lo- so far. We've been here like an hour. <laughs> Haven't seen any puffins though. <laughs> you expecting to see puffins? Yeah, I was waiting for the puffins. That's I what I was waiting for. Here, but it's it's really uh, nice to be outside the city. At the table we're sitting at, I was having lunch earlier, and a giant hawk oh, wow. was flying around us. I was worried about my children. Frankly, <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know. Do hawks hunt just dead things? I don't think they no, do. No, no, they hunt, but small things. Right. Maybe not a four-year-old. Yeah. Pretty small. <laughs> That's so for the people listening, uh, I mean, I know who you are, but can you introduce yourselves one at a time? Why don't we start with you, Rose? I'm Rosina Kazi, and I'm the lead singer of the electronic duo Lal. Thank you. I am Nicholas Murray, and I am the producer of the electronic duo Lal. I and love the fact that there's like police sirens behind us because we're also pretty protesty. Yeah, you're <laughs> militantly. It's like they knew we were set up. Yeah, they're, they're on microphones. We gotta get them. Yeah. Uh, so how did you two come together exactly? Can you tell us that story? I don't really know it myself. Uh, we worked in a record store in, in 90s Toronto. Uh, in the basement. The basement of a record store. In, it's, it was called HMV. Um, a lot of Famous people work there, or not famous, prominent people, people that went on to do really good things work there as well. Um, so we came up pre like early Toronto electronic music, R&B, rap music history. I was also part of a, um, a production company called The Grassroots, which was um, we did a second wave Toronto hip hop record called Passage Through Time that was pretty seminal in terms of that it, it brought together a lot of what was happening in the city at that time. Hmm. Um, I, yeah, we both worked in the dance department, and at that time, I was working on music with the grassroots, making music for rappers. And Rosina I was just kind of followed was him around. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. But we but we were tapped into. She's a, yeah. This is pre-American sort of Drake. You know, uh, the hip-hop second being as huge second as wave Toronto hip hop. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you worked in a record store. Yeah. But then, how did you get into making your own music, though? That's what I don't... You, you mentioned your own stuff. Yeah. Rose, how did you get into making music? Well, I think because we were hanging out in a pretty um, heavy, independent, like, hip-hop, R&B, electronic music, dance music scene, um, I just kind of, like, fell into the hip-hop and R&B scene. Lo- loving hip-hop and R&B, but, like, then coming to Toronto, um, working in, in the basement with, with Nick and a bunch of different people really being exposed to the culture so I did a lot of behind the scenes stuff first like I worked for record labels I I volunteered for everybody I was doing all kinds of stuff but I really wanted to sing so I just kind of harassed Nick or would just show up and just follow him around <laughs> um, eventually bought my own ASR 10 thinking that I would get ASR 10 is a, a keyboard sampler for those that don't know yeah no that's good yeah. good context yeah. I yeah. appreciate that yeah you got your own I got well. My father helped me pay for it because I'm Asian and, and I and I have access to funds sometimes. At that time, <laughs> is <laughs> that true? That I would attract. Is that all true of all Asians? <laughs> no, no, no. But like, I there think is that's a... true of me too. When I needed money, I <laughs> asked my a, mom, yeah. not my dad. My yeah. dad will say no. No, my but... dad would say no too. But for some reason, he said yes. Okay, that's good. Follow and then your I dreams. I was thinking that I would have all these folks come over and make beats, which they did. But then I also started to make beats. Um, but then after a while, I think Nick just got annoyed with me bugging him all the time and he just was like all right let's do this and we fell in love so that 
So, so you met in Toronto. Are you? Oh, are you in love? Are you? Oh partners? yeah, we've been partners for like twenty-five okay. years. Okay. As well. So yeah. there's that aspect as well. Okay. So you met at this HMV, which was this giant mega store on Yonge Street in Toronto. Where are you actually from? Are you from Toronto? Were you born and raised We're in Toronto? We're from Brampton. Brampton. West side. Yeah. We talked really? a lot about Brampton recently with Havaya Mighty. Yeah. yeah, Brampton's putting out some really good talent. There's the Hawk. There's the uh, Hawk. Yeah. yeah, there's which is my middle name, which is also very telling. That, that might be a bald eagle. That looks like an eagle. Is it actually. Like an eagle? That's, that's an eagle. Oh, that's an eagle. Well, that's amazing? also a good yeah, sign. Too, so we, good. we live in Ontario. We don't <laughs> even know. We never get to see these things. <laughs> what is that? Thing? Suddenly, <laughs> and, yeah. What is that thing with the wings? Yeah. Was that an ostrich? Anyway, <laughs> yeah. that was amazing. That was beautiful. It ran away when we noticed it. Did you notice that? It flew away. Anyway, sorry. You're Brampton. Yes. So you came up in Brampton. For those who don't know, Brampton is a suburb of Toronto, kind of near the airport. Uh, lots of Indian restaurants, lots of mostly Indian restaurants, I would say. What are, what are the culture? Well, when the we Portuguese grew up there, as well? yeah. it was mostly white, Italian actually. Italian, too, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was mostly white. It was mostly white. There was a big Punjabi community, a Caribbean community, but not like there is now. Okay. Um, now, Brampton, Mississauga are, are very uh, diverse, but when we grew up, it wasn't. Oh. Um, but out of Brampton, you know, you mentioned Hawaii Mighty, but there's a, you know, grassroots came out of uh, Brampton, Ghetto Concept, Rexdale, so Rexdale, Brampton area. Yeah. There's a huge hip hop history of folks coming out of well, the West End. Interesting fact about Rosita, her generation, she went to a school called North Park. Her same class of, like, when that all graduated at the same time is like, um, Cassie Campbell, Director X. Oh, and like, yeah, we all went to um, high school. There's together. another person too that's just like overachiever. Years. Cassie Campbell was the uh, hockey player. Hockey player. Yeah. Hockey ball X. Yeah. X was is uh, yeah. yeah very famous film uh, hip hop yeah. director. Yeah, so yeah. Brampton has a lot of really interesting. Interesting. And same now school. you've got same people. Class. Same year. Okay. But now you've got like Strange. people like who else is coming out like our flex Savannah Taylor, um, what's a uh, uh, Blipter. Like there's some really good talent coming out. It ha- always has been out of Brampton. And do Nexo. you do you imagine this has something to do with kind of like diasporic stuff? Yeah, yeah. for sure. So I mean, people, sure. I used yeah. to make a flippant joke because my friends would say, "Where's their?" They'd ask me, "Yeah, where's their good Indian food?" Right. And I'd say, "Well, you got to go to like they're charging you five bucks for one samosa here in Guelph. Go yeah, to Brampton, Mississauga, yeah. get like ten for fifty totally. cents or whatever." And I used to make this joke. I'm like, I don't know what it is. I feel like you come to Canada, you get out of the airport, you set up shop. Like, yeah. you're as close <laughs> as possible. Because why would they, all these amazing, like some of the best Indian restaurants, the best Indian restaurants yeah. in the country yeah. Yeah. are probably in that area. Easily, yeah. Totally. So I think that that is a joke, but I think it informs something else uh, about what why a city like that is producing the people you're talking about, particularly mm-hmm. people of color. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. There's something about... Getting here and really needing to your family, your parents in particular, I can't even imagine that. I'd never flown across the country to live in another mm, place yeah. and have to set up something yeah, for myself on my own. Really so there's something about that kind of let's call it DIY spirit of, yeah. of like I'm gonna take my family and take my future right. to this whole other place that yeah. I don't know and just try it. Yeah. So do you think that propels the spirit of people in Brampton, like some communities? I mean, Speaking from my own experience, I think there's a lot of like 
a lot of people wanting to live out their immigrant fantasies and Brampton I think propels that idea as so does Pickering Oshawa and like where you see a lot of Jamaican or like um, West Indian population I feel like it's like people that were living in the inner city that then were able to acquire wealth to then move to the suburbs and so Brampton is definitely like a an example of that a very oh. big example of that okay yeah but I grew up um, in the Bangladeshi community my father came in the 60s my mother as well and they basically started the first Bangladeshi association so wow. I grew up fully around DIY DIT do it together right. Bangladeshi arts culture like just theater dance music every weekend they jammed you know we're Muslim as well so it's interesting when I hear about people talk have this one idea of being Muslim they partied and we're very artistic so I just kind of continued that because they did it because you know, they need to survive culturally and just spiritually, I think. So they would get together every weekend up until I was probably about 13. Celebrate. Celebrate. They'd make their own sets. They, I played in every high school in Toronto. Wow. Um, and all over, like, Ontario, they would get together. And, okay. and hours they would drive to, <laughs> to hang yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that makes a huge impression. Nick, did you have that in your family? Did you have, like, kind no, of... Um, no, my brother is a musician, though. He's uh, Stephen Murray. He's a... Uh, he produces like more poppy experimental things. He's worked with like Chaos and like a bunch of other Sean Hewitt. He did that Sean Hewitt record back in the day. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's just like a dude. Okay, so he you have some music in your family. Yeah, but it, pretty- you guys found it yourself. It wasn't coming from your parents per se. No, no, no. Okay, no, no. okay, no. So, do you have each of you? I'll ask you the same question one at a time. But do you have a sense? Like we've talked a little bit about the HMV experience. Yeah, a little bit about the Brampton thing. But do you have kind of any? memory of what it was that made you think music was cool as a fan and also what made it eventually seem accessible to you i mean we've kind of talked about some of that in the hmb days but do you actually have a a memory of like an early influence or inspiration um like something you heard or saw on tv where you're like oh music hmm what is this like do you have that nick what do you have i think for me it was community radio i think it was like the like Fantastic Voyage show I'm aging myself now but like the Fantastic Voyage show and like Ron Nelson like DJX like and the amount of focus that I had at one point I was like from one to four I was there all the time and then like where is there um, in my basement listening to the uh, Fantastic Voyage show uh, in Brampton on uh, what station was it 88.1 right CKLN CKLN uh, yes um, and like I was so into it and so focused and the fact that I was so focused on making tape mixes and like, and like practicing DJ at lunch and like, it was just, I just was in a world of my own and that's kind of what I knew. It was like, this okay. was, this and is, that's exactly what happened yeah. to me. But Same like, thing. Well, in, but in grade six, I got introduced to like 88.1 CKLN, um, also CIUT and, you know, Dave's dance music, Ron Nelson more coming out of, sorry out of dance music than hip hop but that also being part of the conversation and then listening to everything because Campus Radio played everything right started buying records started coming downtown um, buying records you know started also like cutting up tapes and we'd record we'd record the shows and that cut them up and, and get rid of the talking right 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 <laughs> so definitely in that same vein um, and then getting the hell out of uh, Brampton as soon as I could to find uh, to go to school but then dropping out because I really want to make music if you're weird and kind of a chubby weirdo queer kid out of Brampton it, it, even t- today it's it's a difficult place for to be 
So that's where I needed to go to, to find something else, to find a different community. So you big up Brampton, but you also realized that it was sort of holding you back. Totally. And I don't know if it's full, it's it's probably myself that's holding my, I held myself back, but there's just there wasn't enough stuff for young people, particularly if you were if you were racialized, um, if you were strange, if you're if you weren't automatically talented in a specific way, but you were passionate. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on talent right away, and so I wasn't very good when I first started. Right, but I was passionate. Right, you um, to, to I knew what I wanted exactly. So this I think is, that's why I got it. This is an aside, but this is the exact opposite story of Havaya Mighty. When she was on the show, she talked about how she had a horrible experience in Toronto. Her whole family, like the right. racism and bigotry they faced in Toronto, and the prejudice at her school. Like they, mm. she went from being treated as though. Her energy and intellect was of a remedial variety to being, they moved to Brampton and she was skipping grades, like accelerating through the coursework, like got the support. I wonder what year she had moved to Brampton though. Yeah, that's an interesting point. She's younger than both of us, I would think, by quite a a margin on some level in her, probably in her 20s, I would think. Yeah. so, but that's fascinating, isn't it? I think Brampton has a long history of dealing with newcomer immigrant population, yeah. though. I feel, because the school that I went to, I went to Central Peel, which was like known as the rough school, only because it had like an ESL program. Mm. So I grew up with amongst like immigrants all days, English as a second language. Yes. So, so um, yeah, so I think Brampton has a very, but you wouldn't notice, you would, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't appear in this, the, uh, the government or the, the city councils, though, or the people that run the Brampton. I think you, now you, you can yeah, see that that that, but that before whack you can, dude. Um, what's his name? Conservative dude. Um, anyways, the mayor of Brampton is Patrick Brown. Oh yeah, 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 Patrick Brown. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but um, not to get into politics right away. But yeah, that that guy. Yeah, yeah no, I I'm not very I'm representative not, of Brampton. And what I think it is. suburbs are uh, of big cities can be both a refuge and like you say like you need to kind of escape them every once in a while well it's Um, because Toronto used to be a lot of immigrants would start off in Toronto and then they'd find their way outside of Toronto you know Um, that's changing because the gentrification of the downtown but like I think that's why I had this relationship back and forth because my parents were always downtown but then we would always be in the suburbs as well right Um, and I think being exposed to like downtown young um, there was just something exciting about it you know, it wasn't Brampton. You didn't have to have a car. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I'm gathering that everything we've talked about, almost everything we've talked about, kind of informs the aesthetic approach of LOL. Um, the college radio, the, eclect- the eclecticism, I suppose, of mm-hmm. c- campus and community radio, the communities you grew up in. I can feel that informing the way you guys approach music. Is that totally. fair? Yeah. I would say so, yeah. It's coming from yeah. your origin, really. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. totally. Okay. Yeah. So, how did LAL begin then? We uh, Did we... I, I'm trying to figure out if we talked about this already. I understand how you two met, but how did LAL... And you were saying you followed him around and until, he, <laughs> until he let you sing on some stuff. Is that it? Is that how well, it began? Well, and then we just kind of, like, hooked up as well, and then... We, we didn't hook up. Well, living... Yeah, we fell in love, or whatever you want to call it. Okay. Um... We and then we we created partnership. Okay. And then we just started Why making. Why do you, you music. question hookup? Does that seem more like <laughs> um, temporary think, or well, transient? Well, I just don't want it to seem like there was ulterior motives involved. Like, oh. yeah, yeah, like it wasn't like. I mean, the, 
you totally could think that, except we've been she's already admitted twenty five years. She's already <laughs> admitted she started following you around yeah, because yeah. you would let her sing on songs. I yeah. mean, there's a clearly an ulterior I'm, motive to this. No, but not because like I didn't really want to get with him. But then I was like, oh my god, I love this person, and that oh, was that was a, that yeah. was like oh no. It wasn't really like. <laughs> It wasn't really like a yeah. Anyways, it, it is what it is, and that's all it is. Really, then we, at this and point. then the first record that we made was called Corners. We basically just were living together. We were looping stuff up on the ASR ten. I was just singing over stuff, and that record really right came out. There's a, a public bit transit of a record story before that though. The well, when you met Kevin Moon Moonstar, oh, uh, yeah, 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 we met Moonstar, and Moonstar ran this record label called PTR. Which was kind of like a paradigm shifting moment for me because I was basically record sampler dude, and then uh, Kevin Moon and Manohar got introduced to my life, and then I came, became like um, a bit bigger in my scope because I was introduced to like synthesizers. Like day one of meeting Kevin Moon, like he brought me into his little dorm room or his apartment where he had like an octave cat, which is a very serious synthesizer thing. And I was like, what is that? And then he just started playing with it. And then from there on, it was just like opened up a door of like possibility in terms of music for me. Uh, but Kevin heard a tape recording of Rose singing through a headphone into her ASR 10. And I had produced, yes. some Singing work. through a headphone? Yeah, yeah I was oh. producing, like, really, like, uh, lo-fi oh. music at the okay, time. Oh, okay, okay. That was a thing that people did when they didn't have mics. They would sing into headphones because it would create... It's like a microphone, essentially. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so... Um, he put the track out on a compilation called Code 416. Yeah, yeah. And then I think maybe that's what maybe got your interest um, the fact that I was doing it on my own as well do you know what possessed you to want to sing um I just my mother sang with a harmonium every day so I think that influence of just being around somebody who loved and just loving music what did she sing she sang old Bengali Tagore uh, songs mostly some folk songs or some Kazinos for Islam but every day Religious backgrounds for both of you? No, not at all. Not for you. Well, no. I'm technically Muslim, sort of, but I wasn't but not raised so much. Religious. Okay, okay, okay. My father was like a socialist. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> okay. So, is your mother singing? That's it. There's no. I've, um, uh, I've and being around, like just being around the Bangladeshi Bengali music culture. Yeah. But also, like my friends, all of us just love music. Okay. You know, we love music, so we just just being around music. I was a big Janet Jackson fan when I was young. There you go. That's kind of so, what I'm looking for. Yeah, I was looking for someone kinda, like Janet for some yeah. reason. <laughs> I wonder. I don't admit that often, but <laughs> well, she was very significant. Oh, yeah. for sure. Particularly for like you know yeah. chubby people of color, women of color, queer kids, like whatever. Like she was she very was underrated. Totally yeah. underrated. And I think because yeah. of that stupid Super Bowl thing, she's just oh that. But but before that, like America, like in America, she's like royalty. It's just we don't right. necessarily get that feeling in Canada. Right. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, like she was one of the first to come out. And Every big production. single was like huge. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so uh, I've read and heard Lal described as a collective, though. I think of it as you two. Do you think of it as a collective? On any level? I, yeah. No, I don't think of it as a collective. I think well, it's reason, a duo. It's, but have you heard that? Like, I've read uh, that online. It was, it was, I mean, I think in the spirit of community, I think we definitely have, like, uh, like other things that we do within community, but, like, the duo is just... It, it's just it is a, you two. Well, it's us, us two, but then we exp- we expanded out. We had five band members at one point, and then Ian D'Souza was a third member for a, oh, for, for okay. a long time. So there was three of us. 
but in terms of, we're not a collective in terms of like we work collectively hmm. like in terms there of our our design to video work to conceptual work we work with a bunch of different people um, and the the music is influenced by an entire community okay so I think that's what people mean when they say collective it's in that spirit um, the main two people are Nick and I, but then we work with many different types of artists. Yeah. Do you know where that impulse to be community-minded in your work approach and I think lyrically as we'll get into the new record Dark Beings, like that that impulse to talk about community and to raise community the spirit of communities up is, it runs throughout the music I've heard you make over the mm-hmm. years do you have a sense either of you of where that impulse comes from is it speaking from a need that you wish like or, or rather a, I don't know something that you wish you had when you were younger or does it speak to something that's contemporary only I'm trying to get at that yeah I think it's it partially comes out of this idea of always being othered so even growing up around the Bangladeshi community and then for me being around the hip hop and R&B and the electronic independent community um, before it became big in Canada like we're always othered and so in order to survive in order to make stuff happen we have to work collectively right and that was and I think indie rock has done that so many different forms have done that um, galvanize themselves galvanize ourselves and I just never was able that's what I believe in you know because we're still making pretty sort of um, music that's not necessarily part of the Canadian mainstream dialogue, which is fine. It's outsider art. It's outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So in order to survive and, and I think spiritually and just to maintain some level of like just sanity, you have to, I feel like I have to work with my community. Right. You know? Some sort of commiseration needs to occur even if it's not articulated. You Totally. Strength totally. in numbers kind of thing yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because even like events, parties, some of these events are packed. You know, like all around Canada, you'll have these amazing events that the mainstream Canadian society is not paying attention to. Yeah. And and that still continues to happen. Yeah. And that's what I've always been a fan and um, inspired and attracted to that energy. Right. To the to like the really the underground. I know people argue whether there is still one. I completely believe there is people one. People argue that there isn't an underground? Some people think there isn't one, that everything's been co-opted or everything's been... Well, there isn't an underground in terms of the sense of what underground means, like something that's not accessible to everybody. Now everything is accessible to everybody. There still is forms of underground music that are very, very super niche, but it's still kind of accessible based on the internet or like... I guess what I think it's just changed. It's like just in terms of in terms of like stuff that's online. I mean, I guess there's certain viral cultures that are that are not existent. But I, I think what you're saying is like, if either of us were involved in throwing a party or an event that featured all sorts of outsider underground art, knowing the three of us, we would have a there would be an inclusive bent to it, mm-hmm. right? Meaning, like, no one would feel like we were being snobby about it or whatever. Like, yeah. all are welcome to experience this strange thing. No elitism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think yeah, that's yeah, in a yeah. very important part of underground culture yeah. Yeah. and why so many people feel strength in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they felt welcome. Totally. And, and they also, like, welcome to participate in it. Right. To make their sh- yeah. shit or to just watch it. 
I would say that the ethos of the underground culture still exists. I would say in some forms of music, more so in others. But um, in terms of like it actually being completely underground, like it was, I mean, this being somebody that grew up pre-internet and experienced um, like where there was a time when there was no rap music on the radio, like when it was just on um, community campus radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So there seems to me, I hinted at this, um, there does seem to be a, a particular politically motivated intent within law. Um, mm-hmm. Where does that sort of stem from? It's kind of the same stuff we've been talking about, right? But it's a bit more outspoken uh, well, than I that. Think it's, it's also, I think, a sense of disempowerment. Like so much of what yeah. we... For you... From, well, I'm talking about communities of color, racialized communities, queer and trans, two-spirit okay. communities being outside them, uh, outside within the margin, still being outside, you know. And so for me, it was it was very clear from the beginning how um, a white lens or a white it was white folks who dominated. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Culture in Canada, um, or there or it was a class thing. You know, and it was really, we didn't see ourselves in positions of power, people who looked like us, people who, like, not just one or two people, but a group of people, you know? Right, So, for me, it was really important to talk about, not just within music, but in education, in in all across, you know, like, the the Canadian political system, like, you're not seeing us reflected in numbers in a city like Toronto or Brampton. Yeah. So, that just was very obvious to me growing up, Hmm. and still is. You know, and so this it's very important for me to create a scene where also their shared power or the people in power also reflect who's actually the music is coming from. You know, mm. and I think that still we still got a lot of work to do, but I'm but we're seeing changes. For okay. me, it's a matter of um, actual survival and personal safety and understanding that the political is personal. I mean. The representation of us in music industry, uh, not necessarily my main goal in life is to no, 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 pursue sure. that. Um, <laughs> but I definitely think that like being influenced by like public enemy and stuff like that in the back of the day, understanding that um, like there is a form of expression that can live outside of just how much in love we are with each other um, was was really important for me. And I think my early like days as uh, being a part of like a hip-hop band like specifically um, a hip-hop duo a group called Born Jerome that was like our mandate was to kind of speak on issues that was non like I'm the greatest rapper or yeah 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 yeah, that sort of thing so but you wanted it to be purposeful I wanted things to be purposeful I wanted I wanted it to have actual meaning and 
and not necessarily meaning for everybody, but like for for the people creating it, and like it was talk, it was a, it was about sharing expression, basically sharing okay. or experience or or trying to create something out of this world that we're living in that's not necessarily what what we're being sold. Right. Okay. Yeah. So for those who know of Lal or listen to the new album Dark Beings uh, and, and maybe read some of the biographical info about it. It might be natural to assume that there's a division of labor here, that perhaps, Nick, you're doing the music, Rose, you're doing the lyrics and the um, singing. Do those two roles, or those three roles, I don't know how many roles I just indicated there, but does that, do you inform each other in terms oh, of yeah. how that works? Like, do you, are you working on, again, if, is that right even? Is that distribution well, what usually correct? what happens is um, we'll write together. I'll usually sit and, and wait for him to create something that I want to write to. And then I'll smoke a joint and I'll start to write. And I immediately write something pretty fast. And then we have a dialogue or a fight <laughs> around what we want to add or, don't, or what we don't want to add. So I was sort of accurate there. In yeah. some ways, yeah. But you yeah. have, like you were saying earlier, Rose, that you developed this ability to make beats and make yeah. music. So, So are you equally saying... Ah, Nick, why you? Eh, that was good, but can you? Why you move this around here? Do something with this totally, arrangement? You'll totally. you'll do that. Do you have that comfort zone? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, okay. totally. Okay. And you, I mean, and I ended up doing a lot of the business, which also becomes like a very gendered thing. Um, but now I'm like, I don't really want to do the business stuff as much. So now we're sharing that responsibility as well. And so, and I think we're coming back to a place where we're. Um, I just don't want. I, I don't have the ability to sit at a computer for like ten hours and edit. <laughs> it's just not my. Story. Edit music. Edit music. Okay. And, and he—that's what he loves to do. But you do have this background. You said earlier of working with labels behind the scenes. So, in some level, that's why you took the reins initially. Of being I the, think that really helped. Yeah, yeah working yeah. in like I was—I was an independent buyer at H and V, a music buyer being very involved with Honey Jam and all kinds of stuff. Oh, I, Honey I, Jam, I, that's I, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I started off almost like a and and being a part of the community. Right. And working for Tommy Boy. And then I hated it. I was like, what is this thing? Why'd you hate it? Because Tommy Boy at that point um, had gotten so big that the people, like black folks and Latin folks who had started, the, who, who the culture it's from, were not in positions of power. Mm. Women were all secretaries. You know, it was all like white, cis, straight men at the top. Right. And when you have these dreams of working for Tommy Boy, then you get there and you're like, oh, this is nothing. Like, this is not what I had thought. Um, it, it was a really good experience to go through because I realized that I actually want to make music. <laughs> yeah, you do learn from those things for sure. For sure. Like, I mean, when people say that things like that build character, it's really about that experience. Yeah. That you gain. You're on a label now, though, right? We're on Cokes, which is uh, Ray Spoon's label out of Victoria. Right. Um, but Ray Spoon... Is Ray in Victoria now? Yeah, yeah. Ray's in Victoria. Ray's yeah. in Victoria. But the way the... Ray keeps bouncing around this country. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> but their whole ethos is like, yo, like if we're not going to... When they came out as trans, the Canadian music scene sort of like shunned them. Oh. And they had to go and they created their own world. I didn't know that. Yeah, and their whole thing I mean, I knew like, that they transitioned. I didn't know that. The, yeah, yeah, no. And so well, they were a country singer before. Yeah, they were doing country folk. folk they were and doing country. really well. And then they made that record Superior Inferior. That was like a, like, like from country to like weirdo, electro, folky. Classic thing. album. Beautiful Amazing album. album. Yeah. One of the incredible yeah. albums. Yeah, but as soon as but they But as soon as they came out as trans, they noticed, because and they transitioned much earlier, or they came out as trans way before 
the conversation was necessarily uh, yeah. so public right now. Right. But they totally felt um, how they were being shunned. Hmm. And so they just were like, let's just create our own world. Right. And they continued to do that. Right. Um, and because their music is good and, and, they're, and they, they're just prolific books and films and you can't deny what they're doing. Right. And so a bunch of us are on a, that label who have that attitude. Do you collaborate with Ray in any way musically? Or Not yet. I do some remixes for them. They sent me some stuff recently. They just sent me the, some of their newer stuff. Yeah. New album got out soon, right? Coming out. Yeah. Uh, there's a release yeah. in yeah. September. Right. But they're building a studio, so we're hoping that one day we'll get a chance to go out there. I definitely, we have talked yeah. about collaborating at some point, though. I got to write to Ray. Yeah. Ray and, and, I, Ray and I used to talk quite a bit. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, cool. back like when I, yeah, yeah. earlier... Yeah, I but like have Quantum been a- Tangles on the label, right? Like all, it's a bunch of bands who like were on the outskirts of the Canadian music industry, right? Um, and we just want to be a part of a, a label that gets us and respects who we are. Nice. Okay, so let's talk about Dark Beings, uh, which I think um, I can again. I hear some of our discussion points informing this record. Um, let's start with you. What do you want to say about this record in terms of its? Um, lyrical themes maybe some of its intent Rose do you mind it really has to do with it's kind of uh, our last record was called Find Safety which was based off our art space called Unit 2 and, and the people that come to that space and the safety that's that we're searching for and then this record is about then what happens to that energy the transcendence of that energy so energetically that's what this record is about lyrically this record is about Acknowledging racialized experiences, queer and trans, two-spirit experiences, but also those of us who are connected to the ground, the earth, the underground community. Um, it is a call to, like, about environmental issues because of what's happening. A lot of what I use as metaphor. Um, I use nature as metaphor, but also to just, just to talk about um, the community that, I'm a par- that we're a part of, you know? There, there are instances where I, when I'm listening to the record and I'm trying to figure out in a very um, probably simplistic way, rudimentary way, like, is this addressing people who are marginalized? Is it as much addressing the people who are marginalizing them, like the marginalizers? Because mm-hmm. I feel like there's messaging on some level for both. Is yeah. that fair? It, yeah, I think you're right. Okay. I think you're right. Do you know, so that has kind of an instructive aspect to it on some level like look at what you're doing Mm -hmm. to these people and and this is their this is their real life experience Mm -hmm. do you know what was going on there in terms of um a lot of that is like kind of us looking at um the devaluing of indigenous and old knowledge you know um Mm -hmm. at the same time understanding that uh, we we were playing with these the term ancient futurism or future ancients, so that things change and can be informed by the past. Right, um, and that's a wonderful thing. Technology can be something that's amazing. So I think a lot of this record was was about that, like really talking in, in this country, indigenous voices and communities, and the land itself just being completely treated like shit. Yeah. You know, and that's something that I cannot ignore, particularly because I also have a pretty big two-spirit and indigenous arts and and friends. Right. Um, And if we don't start to do that healing work, like we're kind of all lost. And I think that's like everywhere. These are the folks who are caretakers of the land, who know the land. And we have to have a conversation 
Um, and when we have folks in Canada who don't even access to drink clean drinking water. Yeah. In addition, I mean, people think Canada's this great, wonderful place. And for many of us as immigrants, especially, like we've left war-torn countries or shitty sure. in histories to come to this magic land. But then we're unaware of like how this land also has been treated horribly and also the people who um, have taken care of it. And I think that's something that we have to heal right. and shift. So you're expressing that here. Definitely, on okay. dark beings, yeah. Um, Nick, do you want to talk a little bit about the evolution of LOL musically and what you're hearing um, and seeing on this record? Well, I guess first we started like just looping up random French records and singing over them. That was the thing. And um, the more obscure, or Herbie Hancock or whatever it was. like. And then we kind of worked with bands and and then like drummers and stuff and track drums and stuff. And then went that traditional route. And then we went more to a confined duo of just three people or four people maybe and then and then we just went back to the two of us and I feel like um, now we're still at the two of us and we're kind of like really able to kind of find space in this, the, the ideas that we're bringing and and, it's, and the, electri- the electronic thing is more than just like a substitute for a band it's more of like a a playground where we can kind of exp- or a palette where we can express ourselves which is really beautiful I mean, I think this record really, really kind of exemplifies that. It really brings it to the surface of like all the skills that we've built from from when we first started till now. Um, but it began really simply. It was just like me with one kind of synthesizer thing and consistently just kind of creating kind of motifs or like loops and and rows kind of singing over them and creating ideas around that. Hmm. But. But I mean, I'm a drum and bass kind of guy in terms of like that kind of has to be solidified before I can kind of even move on to something. So that's kind of where I you start. Need the, you need the foundation. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right. Not necessarily the style of music, but more so the instrumentation. Rose earlier had mentioned a, a number of emerging artists from Brampton, which to me indicates uh, someone who's paying attention yes. to what's going on. Um, how active are you as a music listener, Nick? Because I know I've talked to people, including myself sometimes, like I don't necessarily consume the same stuff I make, same right. kind of stuff I make, because I don't want it to necessarily um, influence what I'm doing or cloud what I'm doing or make me self-conscious about what I'm doing, frankly, um, which is, I think, both good and bad. I mean, you learn from others, obviously. Yeah. But are you an active... Would you I mean, consider yourself I mean, an active music fan? I think I think I'm definitely like informed by like a lot of stuff that has come out in my during my like twenties and stuff. But like in terms of like, um, I'm very informed by like viral culture. I listen to a lot of records. I listen to a lot of like um, old records from like the seventies and sixties, and like that's kind of like all the information that I take in about like how traditional music should sound. But yeah. in terms of like modern day cultural stuff like do I listen to Drake yeah I listen to Drake when he releases a new record I just listened to the new record that he released on Friday compilation compilation or whatever yeah that, that's, and then I listen to what's going on in hip hop mostly I listen to a lot of house and techno okay um, so you do actively listen and it might show up mostly sometime. SoundCloudy but like that's about that's as far now I have Apple Music but I don't necessarily like I'm not 
there's definitely more people that are like, well, you should start doing this thing, and you should. This person's really doing the cool thing. You should start doing the thing that this person is doing. Right. Like, I mean, sure, I was influenced by Arca when they first came out, and like, I'm definitely into like the idea of the paradigm shifters, like the people that release music where you're like, okay, the world is a different place now because you've just introduced certain ideas. I guess also, like, we run like a music venue. Yeah. So What's your we, music venue called? Uh, Unit Two. Right. So. Yeah. We have so many amazing DJs and acts that come through. That that's how I'm influenced. It's okay. just like there you just go. by watching. Um, I can no longer listen to recorded music unless people play it for me because I'm just overwhelmed. Mm. But live music, like there's so much opportunity to see amazing live music in Toronto for cheap as well. Right. And just having a venue just lets you like really see some amazing stuff that you've cool. from inside and outside the country. Well, I, it does feel like your your music is informed by something contemporary, uh, whether it's the lyrics. Like I feel like it's a very present sound right i think i think if there was to be a stronger influence it would be more spaces like certain small clubs that i've played in mm. like the sound of that room and what people were if, if there was to be like something where like it would or like in different countries or like yeah remembering what worked in that space or remembering what the vibe of that space was and and being in that space and understanding that being inspired to create something for that and we pulled in Jim Anderson yeah. on this album because we didn't want to fight <laughs> as hard as we usually do. Jim mixed the record? He mixed and then also gave us some insight on songs that he thought that we should go forward with. Oh, it kind um, of produced it a little bit. A little bit, yeah, yeah. just to because we were just like, we don't want to fight. We have a timeline. Can you just listen to some stuff and give us some feedback? Okay. Yeah, so and then mixed it. Is yeah. that the first time you've had an external collaborator? Yeah, yeah, and it was great. I mean, like... You might I, do it again? It sounds like you might do it again. <laughs> I think we need somewhere outside. I think we need outside. Yeah, I think do. it's really good I to have so. that. I think so, especially, especially for, like, the... Um, decisions of what needs to appear on the record which is not the easiest thing to do absolutely yeah. Yeah. sequencing yeah. all these sorts of things yeah. are you yeah. can get lost in like nine minute versions and it's like well yeah. we don't need to do that <laughs> which is great sometimes but yeah. we don't need to do it every time well it's a cool record I mean I think what did it end up being eight songs or something like that yeah, yeah so you, it's great I, I think it's great um, what's next for LOL what are you going to do are you already working on new songs we're working on a house music a, project, house music techno Pro, project. Not necessarily a techno. I mean, there's a tech, there's a minimalistic. It's it's kind of like a minimal kind of deep housey thing. I, I, it isn't necessarily a techno thing. We have a side project already that does yeah. well in Europe, and we just never have followed through with it. So we're What's like, it let's called? Murr featuring Rosina. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Right. So we're like, oh, we're, let's actually see what happens if we try doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Lal might. My dream is to take us somehow in a caravan for six months from Yellowknife to Brazil with a group of other artists and really connect with indigenous and folks who are connected to in the environment because we're losing it really fast. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I want to be able to see it, experience it, and then work with a bunch of people, gain insight to make uh, not just a, a record, but like an entire project around what we've learned. Wow. Okay. That's, that's my dream. But is that going to come to fruition? I hey, hope so. Are you working I on am, that? I'm trying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, but we I'll, haven't tried. The, 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 the conceptual ideas are beginning to the dream states there. And uh, Always so ambitious. We'll it's see. great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, usually it doesn't end up being the things that I first initially dream of, but um, somehow that spirit still exists within the project. So. It's great. No, it's great. Uh, where can people who are listening go to learn more about LOL in the... You know, on the internet. 
Where would you send them? Uh com is yeah. the hub. Are you yeah. on and you're on all the things? Uh, Instagram is Lal Forest. Facebook I think is Lal Forest. Lal World. Why, Lal World. Why Lal Forest? Red Forest and Lal means red in many South Asian sort of languages. Yes, that's what I associated with. Yeah. yeah. Um I think cuz we're I mean I'm kind of a, a, a hippie in some ways. In the sense that I just, <laughs> I love mushrooms. I love r- outside raves and dance parties and forests and water. Okay. And, and I just find the forest a very um, calming place. Okay. I, I was yeah. definitely attracted attracted to the name because of the meaning of red and its intensity. I was definitely into the idea of intensity. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, is there a song from Dark Beings that we can play for people right now if so do you want to pick one uh, one of my favorites which we don't really perform all that much is uh, losing myself only because it's dealing with like the idea of um, addiction and like and like what it takes and when I was making that it was really kind of like speaking to my own existence in where I live because I live in a warehouse in a like very industrial part of town and so I was it was very informed by being in that space and, and my, my um, living quarters so oh, okay. um, I feel it's like us like completely actualized in terms of being a part of our surroundings and creating an expressive form of that and talking about us what we've been going through and seeing in our community and in the world basically and people be dealing with um, addiction issues and dealing with um, but also health. that this idea yeah. that like addiction is a bad thing um, so many people we know and love and who are brilliant are folks who've had past addictions or are struggling with addiction yeah, right. so, and mental health. So it's a song that really tries to embrace um, those of us who are, are dealing with these things, including ourselves, and not to shun us or not to shame us. You know, that's not my favorite song. I actually don't like that song. My favorite song, I think, is like uh, <laughs> the one with Jaheda. Um, what your brother did. Uh, sorry. Uh, Stay right. Call? Stay right, <laughs> which, so, which is a Bengali MC from Manchester is on there. <laughs> are we having a debate about what song we're going to right so now? You can, pick, you can pick. We usually have somebody else coming <laughs> in. This is why we brought a producer. Well, I'm compelled. I uh, I appreciate that you're not uh, maybe the biggest fan of it, but I'm compelled by the story of losing okay. myself. Yeah, the story is very important. People can obviously and the check video out. is beautiful. Okay, so people can check out. There's yeah. a video for There's it for crying out loud. Obviously, yeah. some thought went into this. Yeah. The album is Dark Beings. People can check out all the songs. Wherever they, it's on all the things. I assume. Yeah, right? it's on yeah. the things. Yeah. But okay. shout out to like Cyrus Marcus Ware, uh, who did the visual work. Uh, Raven Davis out of Halifax, who was on the conceptual team. Jose Garcia, who also was on the conceptual 12, team. Yeah. Uh, Noel Nanton, Typotherapy. We it's, we have our own font on this record. Um, we have a really powerful team of people. Jesse, who did all the printing of the shirts and stuff from Just Seeds, and they're brilliant, brilliant folks. If you need someone to print up T-shirts and stuff in Toronto, um, yeah, really strong group. Alejandra Iguera just did a new video that we're releasing soon. Um, but there's a whole community behind what okay. we do. So uh, there's the we go back to well, maybe being a collective right. <laughs> more than we yeah. said yeah, earlier. Is. This it is, is losing myself from Dark Beings. This is losing myself by Lol Rose. Nick, thank you so much for making time thank for you. me yeah. and for this conversation. And best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you. Cool.
special thanks to Nick and Rose of LOL for being on this, the 508th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on just about everything else that there is. Spotify, YouTube, Audio Boom. you can find the show on those things. If you can't find a particular episode that you're looking for on any of those platforms, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my semi-regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, at vishcreative or at vishkana. Uh, That's me directly. You can also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at cfru.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. Uh, We have tiers now, a $6 tier, $6 and above gives you access to exclusive content 
uh, on our Patreon page. So go to patreon.com slash creative control and donate to the show today. Thanks, as always, to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, Granddad's Donuts, and CFRU for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to Jim Guthrie for letting me use music of his on this show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode with Lol and maybe checking out other episodes of the show if you like what you've heard. Uh, there are many. As I mentioned uh, moments ago, 508 episodes. There's got to be something behind this episode that you want to check out. Uh, there's got to be. It's got to be something. So please, have a gander, have a listen, and uh, subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about it. That's all I can say. And that's all I'm going to say. I have to go. Bye for now. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.